No Junk Mail presents The Trading Post, Chapter 6, Day 4. By morning, the rain had almost let up completely, but we could still hear dripping on the metal roof from time to time. The wolves were gone, and the storm had passed. We were all a little groggy from our broken night's sleep. Enu had kept a small fire going in the fireplace all night. We were warm, dry, and comfortable, but not energetic. We could see the beginning of daylight through the chimney hole in the roof. Enu and Philip were in conversation again in the corner. Darrell was quietly sitting with his back to the wall, injured arm in his lap. Alex and Looney sat in front of the door, the sword laying close by him. Billy and I moved near Enu and Philip. The discussion they were having was about the trading post. Enu was talking mostly in broken English. He said he thought the journey would take two days, depending upon any problems he might come up against. I asked, what problems? But they both kept talking and ignored me. Eventually, Philip called all of us together by the stone fireplace. We sat down in a circle as we usually did, knowing that we would discuss the details of going home plan. Enu sat next to Philip and didn't say much through the discussion. The first thing was to decide which route home we would take. We had a choice. We could go back to Vancouver directly or go to the trading post, then home. If we went to Vancouver, it would take a day longer and we would be on our own and would have to go through more forest we didn't know. If we went to the trading post, Enu would go with us, as it was about time for him to take his winter furs there anyway. We could help him by carrying his furs. We discussed the possibilities over and over. Two days sounded reasonable for the distance Enu had described, even if we were carrying furs. Furs don't weigh much, and we would make backpacks and carry them easily. Besides, Philip was not confident that we could get back to Vancouver on our own, and we'd be facing unknown dangers on the way and may not have the weapons to fight them off. We also knew we needed to think about what would be easier for Daryl, who was still hurting. We all finally agreed that we should go with Enu to the trading post. Billy and I had told Philip that we had seen an old truck parked next to the store when our families had gone fishing on Lake Merwin, and it made sense to assume that the owner of the store drove to the trading post. Philip said he thought the store owner would drive us to the main road that ran north and south near the Columbia River. We didn't know how far it was by car from Vancouver to the trading post, but guessed it was about 50 miles. We figured that once we got to the main road, we could hitchhike to Vancouver. We had hitchhiked several times before when we'd gone up the Columbia River to the Salmon Locks to go fishing. Of course, we had paid our driver for the trip home with trout or salmon. Alex asked how many furs we were going to carry. Philip said six to eight each, depending on the size. Daryl didn't carry any furs, so he was going to carry Billy's backpack. Looney asked, how are we going to carry the furs and still make good time? Alex answered, we could make back frames, but that may take a day. 
I also don't know if we have enough supplies to make one for each of us. We have the string to lash the sticks together, but not the strong ropes to put under our arms and lift them with. We could cut up the rope we brought with us, Billy suggested. We didn't think that was a good idea, because we might need the rope again. Philip asked Enu something. Enu replied, but we couldn't understand his words. Philip said that Enu had enough bark strips to make back frames. We talked it over a while longer, then we came to agreement. We would see if we could get everything done today, then leave tomorrow. We really didn't want to wait another day, but it seemed like there was a lot of work to do, and that was that. The plan was set, and we were ready to work. To make things go faster, Enu was going to cook some food for us while we were gathering the sticks for the back frames. We had made back frames before. They would last for a use or two before they broke or came apart. They were made of small, straight saplings, a half inch in diameter and about four feet long. A foot or so of the stick was over our heads. It had two crossbars that we lashed with string at each joint. The trick was in making it for particular use. This one had to balance a load of furs on our shoulders for two days and many miles. So, we figured that we had to have four horizontal bars and that the furs had to be lashed onto the back frames to keep them from falling off and slowing us down. The big problem was to make the shoulder strap strong enough so it wouldn't break and yet soft enough to make it comfortable to carry. Most of the load would be balanced on the tops of our shoulders. Looney came up with the idea to begin by making just one back frame so that we could test what worked. When we were happy with the test back frame, we would know the kind and amount of materials we'd need. Philip and Enu went to a storage cave to get a pile of the furs. Enu had found a cave nearby and had built a crude heavy wall of poles against the cave opening. In the middle of the wall was a small door. It was a good hiding place for his furs. The lean-to around the cook fire had been demolished the night before by the wolves, so Darrell rebuilt it. Then he was to get the fire going and gather wood so he knew could cook. We took off looking for the saplings. We found a bunch of them about a thousand feet away from the cabin and brought the sticks back. By the time we got back, a batch of furs was piled up in the cabin and Enu was working on our breakfast. It began raining lightly. The ground was soggy, and patches of light fog hovered around. It was going to be another wet, gloomy day in dark forest, but we had a plan, and we were working it. It took three attempts before we were satisfied that the back frame would balance a load of furs and hold up for the whole trip. We ended up using one-inch thick sticks on both sides and a half-inch sticks for the crossbars. The biggest problem was attaching the bark strips for the shoulder straps and lashing the furs to the frame. We needed the width of the bark strip for the strap, but wide strips didn't secure to the frame easily, so we ended up making straps out of three smaller strips from Enu's older and wider bark strips. Then we attached them in the lower middle of the frame, looping them over the shoulder, around the frame again, and back to the starting point. We also found that we could pad the arm lift area with the furs. 
Before we finished the first one, we had a good helping of fried deer meat with some weeds, which were like a salad. We had plenty to eat, but didn't stand around talking, because we were anxious to make the rest of the back frames. After the first frame was finished and successfully tried out, the other five didn't take much time to complete. Around noon, we're packed up and ready to go. Inu had gone hunting and had come back with a small deer to take with us on our trip. He cleaned and skinned the deer and cut up the meat while we were finishing lashing the furs to the back frames. The deer meat fit on top of Inu's pack. We were going to move as fast and as far as we could each day to get to the trading post, so we had decided that we were not going to stop and gather food and make fire and cook. We had eaten raw meat before, and we were planning on nibbling on strips during the rest times. We loaded up and tried everything out several times, making slight adjustments. Since we had a lot of daylight left, more than half a day, we decided to head out. Inu had his back frame, his Henry 3030, his hunting knife and the deer meat lying on top of the furs. Before we left, I saw Inu load his last three shells into the 3030. He only had five shells in total. It was time to go, to go to the trading post. Philip had Inu's pistol in a deer hide holster attached to his belt. The holster didn't look like a pistol holster. It was more like a leather pocket with a leather strand that tied the pocket shut. Philip also had a few extra bullets for the pistol in his pocket. We had our back frames, spears, fighting sticks, and furs. Alex also had the sword hanging from his belt. Daryl had Billy's backpack and his own spear. We were ready. Without another word, we were on our way. We were excited and full of energy now. We were going home, even if it were going by the way of a slight detour. We dropped into order once again. However, this time Inu led the way, and Philip took up the last position. We didn't go real fast, because if you start out too fast, you wear out quick, and you get exhausted before you reach your destination. But we made good time. We didn't try to walk quietly. In fact, I think Inu was making noise on purpose. The rain kept coming in spurts but it was still light and not much to worry about. We kept up the pace for about four hours. Daryl was getting tired, and we could see him stumble sometimes. The way you can gauge your strength on a trip like this is how many times you stumble. When you're alert and full of vigor, you rarely stumble on anything. But as you get tired, you start making mistakes and stumbling over sticks, weeds, holes, and even uneven ground. So we found a small clear spot on a rise and took off the back frames. They seemed heavier because the rain had soaked the top fur. Billy's strap broke when he took it off, but it was an easy fix. Most of us napped a bit. We knew that if we could take a short nap, our energy would return, and we had to keep going till dark. Since we were carrying fresh meat, we had to set up a watch. Philip stood the first watch. When I woke up, the others were getting ready to go, and Inu was distributing pieces of raw deer meat. It was good and chewy. We got ready, checked everyone's back frames, and then headed out again. 
I couldn't tell which way we were going as we went around a pond, waded through a stream, or climbed over a hill. We're not going in a straight line. Furthermore, as anyone will tell you, on a rainy day in a heavy forest, we had no direction from the sun. We could see moss on the north side of a tree, but it wasn't always straight north, so we couldn't depend on that either. We were starting to feel fatigued, yet we had a ways to go before dark. I didn't know what Inu had in mind, but it seemed he knew exactly where he was going. Before we started, he said we'd spend the night on an island. It was dusk, so I figured we had to be there in an hour or so. By this time, we didn't have spring in our steps, but we were still making good time. We saw some deer on the way. Once we heard a low growl, but no one said anything, and we just kept going, following Inu. Sometimes we went straight over hills, which must have been a thousand feet high. Other times we went around hills, which sent us a long ways out of the way. We sloshed through creeks, pushed through brush, and went around ponds, but we were always in the deep woods. The sky was gray, even when we were in a clearing at the edge of a pond. It was overcast and dull, still raining on and off. It was pitch black when we came to the shore of a lake. This was our destination, almost. We took off our back frames and collapsed in the sand. After a while, I heard Inu say to Philip, Logs. It was dark. How are we going to find logs? We had lost the flashlight when Philip ran out of the cave into the waterfall. We inched around the clearing on our hands and knees to find what was laying there. We found several pieces of driftwood of different sizes at the edge of the woods. The beach was short, and what was there was muddy. The spring rains had probably raised the lake levels where we couldn't see the normal beach. Inu said there was an island about 200 feet off the shore, and that's where we were going to camp. It would be safe there. However, the lake was too deep to wade to the island, so we needed to float the furs over to the island on a raft. Philip and Enu selected eight good-sized pieces of driftwood. We pulled them into the water and lashed them together with rope from the backpack. This raft could support four back frames at a time. Four of us walked alongside the raft, pulling it towards the island till the frigid water was over our heads. Then we had to swim alongside the raft, pushing it to the island. Once we were on the island, we unloaded the back frames onto the sand beach. Billy and Daryl stayed on the island with the furs and made a fire. Philip and I pushed the raft back to shore. We had everything and everyone on the island in two trips. The island was not big, and we couldn't see much, even with the fire. There was no moon or stars. The night was pitch black, although we could see the shape of trees and shadows thrown by the flickering light of the fire. We were cold and tired, but we made a lean-to and gathered enough wood to last through the night. Then we set up two-hour watches, and whoever was on watch had the pistol. Alex and I had the first watch. Whenever we had an all-night watch, we broke it into two-hour watches. We also had two of us keep watch together so we could help each other stay awake. We whispered, 
We kidded and punched each other and waded into the cold water to stay awake. We didn't have a clock to tell what time it was, but we could tell when the two hours were up. The hardest watch to take was the one right before sunrise. When my watch was over, I must have slept like I was dead. The chill and wet disappeared. Darkness covered my mind in sleep. The story continues on Chapter 7.